Welcome to Comedians Talking Sports, the podcast where comedians talk sports. I'm your host, Joe Kilgown. On this podcast, I sit down with a different comedian friend, and we talk about what's happened in the world of sports. We also review 30 for 30s. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Comedy Sports Pod. Give myself a follow at Joe Kilgown. Like the podcast on Facebook. That's Comedians Talking Sports with your boy, Joe Kilgown. I'm sitting here with uh, one of my favorite comedians, and uh, I know I say that a lot, but I, I usually mean it. I usually mean it. I mean, sometimes... I don't mean it, and you could go back and listen to the podcast archives and figure out who I'm bullshitting you about. But this dude, uh, Kevin Bozeman, how are you, man? Good, man. How are this you? Guy, Thanks for that. We finally have gotten together. I know. We were going back and forth with Facebook stuff. I thought for a second there, I'm like, I'm probably annoying him because I kept saying, whatever time's good for you, I was kind of putting it on you. Right. And I know a lot of people like, dude, just tell me a time and a place. No, that's where cool. I, kind of, I like to be as accommodating as possible because I'm like, I've done podcasts for people. Where it's like, dude, you're giving me a homework assignment. Like, I'm your guest. Shouldn't you make it kind of easy right, for right, me? Right. So that's what I try to do. I try to tell people, hey, I could come to you. We can meet here. We can do that. Whatever time works best, I'll, I'll arrange myself for you. But I'm, I'm happy you're here, man. Um, dude, I last comic standing. You've been on that. Yeah. Uh, you tour across the country. Yeah, I'm a grinder, dude. You I are, man. A, I am a grinder. You're the guy that you do uh, the show I'd produce here in Chicago. Comedians, you should know. We've also done the one in L.A. Yeah. And you've always been one of those comics where it's like no one's taking a smoke break. We're like, we got to see what Bozeman's going to do. Oh, well, nice. Thank so you. that's a Thank big compliment. You. And I, I just want everyone to know how funny you are. And I hope everyone checks out your shit. But you're also a huge sports guy, which I love. Huge. Huge. You have your own podcast. Why don't yeah. you give that a plug real quick? Uh, the Ball Hog Podcast. I like that I'm name. I'm like you where you have guests. I have... I've had three guests my entire almost two year run. I don't have any guests because, you know, when you're a comic, you're always on the road. You always got to do someone's radio show. You're always doing someone's podcast. And so in a way, you're almost at people's mercy where the ball hawk like it just I could just get everything off my chest for like 45 minutes to an hour and then I'm done. And it's, it's actually therapeutic. Dude, I bet that's like, a great I feel good. Like I'm like, I'm glad I got that off my chest. And so, so many sports fans don't give a shit about other people's opinions anyway. Right. There are times where I'm like, nah, nah, I'm going to say it how I would say it. I've done a couple solo podcasts where it's just me on here and it is kind of fun sometimes. Yeah. I do. I like if people know sports are in the sports, then I love having honest discussions. I mean, that's the best to have an honest discussion with somebody that's in the sports, but people that's like novice sports fans. And then they just say some shit that they heard from ESPN or repeated something. Yeah. They're just regurgitating just give, some like crap. some half truth and it irritates me. And so that's, yeah, so that, I, I take that. that. That irritates the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, that definitely drives me nuts. When I try to have different comedians on, I want them to have some sort of perspective or point of view that I wouldn't have, that you know, I, that I don't see, I guess. Well, you're a Cubs fan, and I'm a White Sox fan. So, so there done. you go. Done. Done right there. But, <laughs> yeah, I want someone who's going to add something that I don't know already or that's going to compliment whatever, you know. I, I like to have a little bit of a disagreement. We could start there. I kind of I would like to go into little Cub socks with you. Okay. Uh, although I don't think the rivalry. Do you feel like the rivalry is kind of really dipped even these last few years? I don't think it's as heated as it used to be. Uh, I just I kind of feel like a little bit. I, the Cubs are so good now that it's just like White Sox fans are like, Ugh, all right. I've not noticed that. I've got my I've got right. friends of mine who are Sox fans who normally couldn't wait to say anything. I remember when Schwarber went down in the third game, seeing on Facebook a few of my White Sox fan buddies just saying, Oh, there it goes. 
Oh, your your dreams are crushed again next no, year. So deep. And I was just like, look, that sucks. I love Schwarber. Dude's got a great bat, but we're we're pretty deep. Right. There's you know? no way. There's no way the Cubs World Series uh, was dependent on the health of Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> I would hope not. All right. They know that's... like he's legit, but he's just one. Uh, he's one nut and boat out of a well-oiled machine. And that's what it is. Theo Epstein and and Jed Hoyer they did such a great job knowing. They, I think that when they had a Dexter Fowler, I was I was telling people I'm like that's going to go down as the best signing of the year for any team in baseball, to be able to grab a guy like that at that price. I draft him. I draft on my fantasy baseball. He's been paying. He's been huge for me. He's been great. He's this been. Year. I, I argue that he's been their most valuable player. I would think so. And when he went, when he went out, they they struggled. They've been yeah, scuffling they, they a little bit. They were one right? and six last week. The first right. week he was down, they were one and six. Yeah. Joe Madden likes to say to him, "You go, we go." You know, right. he's the leadoff hitter. That's why I'm like, I hope they extend him even. There are people saying like, oh, we got some other young outfielders coming up. I'm like, none of them fit the bill of a leadoff hitter. Yeah. I would rather add four more years at $60 million for Dexter and then just worry do about you, other things. Do you root again? Are you a White Sox fan at all? No, I don't. I'm, I have to be completely honest with people. Every now and then I'll meet someone that will be like, but Chicago, you know, and I'm like, I can't. Listen, I grew up on the north side. Northwest side of Chicago, and my dad worked for the Chicago Park District on the south side, hmm. right in Canaryville, uh, Bridgeport, back of the yards at different parks in that whole neighborhood. So I'd go to summer camp, day camp in the summer uh, at Southside Parks, and they knew I was a North Sider. So it was nonstop Cubs, Sox, just hatred. And I don't hate them like I used to. Uh, in, in 05, a lot of people are going to be like, you piece of shit. I was rooting for the Astros. I was. <laughs> I, I think I even bought an Astros hat and wore it a long time. <laughs> I, I was yeah, but since I've gotten older, I have enough friends who are White Sox fans where I'm cool. I'm cool with them being happy. I like to see their happiness. I could judge the White Sox accurately when they were off to that really hot start. I said, yeah, there's a lot of things to like about this team. I think Chris Sale is amazing. If you look at advanced stats, Quintana's almost better. Uh, he's just hard luck loser. Mm -hmm. They never score for him. I think never. There's, yeah, like I went to the White Sox. Per game I went to the pitches. White Sox game two days ago. They lost four nothing. Got them zero runs. Yeah, they don't and give that's them anything. Gotta be, that's got to be stressful on a pitcher and knowing that I can't give up any runs. It's one thing to just have to go out and consistently be great, but then knowing this team doesn't score for me. So now every other pitch, like every pitch now, I got to really analyze. It's a too much pressure. So yeah. Yeah, you're just pitching with a tight nutsack for nine innings. So six and two thirds. So I grew up a White Sox fan. And the, and the Cubs fan, like, but it was White Sox clearly first, Cubs second. Dude, well, like, where'd you grow up? Was, let's get a little bit. I grew up in the, south, the southeast side of Chicago. Okay, like cool. Jeffrey Manor, right off Stony Island. I went to Chicago Vocational, CVS. Oh, uh, yeah. I Your was there Dick with, I was too. there with Zorich, Chris Zorich. And Chris Zorich was a year in front of me, and I was three years ahead of Juwan Howard. Wow. I didn't know Juwan Howard went there. Yeah, I knew, I knew he was from the South CBS. Side. Yeah. That's amazing. A lot of famous athletes right? come out of that school. Uh, Keena Turner for the, for the San Francisco 49ers linebacker also was there. And, of course, the most famous, Dick Buckus. But uh, so I grew up 80s White Sox fan, Cubs fan was distant. And, you know, you could say the Cubs – Kind of outperformed the White Sox in the 80s. White Sox had one in 83, Cubs went 84, then 89. 89. But then the 90s, man, you're a fucking tank, dude. And it was, and it was, one year. It, it was, it, Sosa's cheat yeah, year. Yeah, 98. Right? And Kerry the Wood. one year, but right. And it was, it was then where it was bothering me that the Cubs was getting so much love and they were 
obviously not trying to put out a winner. It was just like, we got a great stadium. Come to us. Those were look, and the White Sox, hard years. And the White Sox in the 90s was like one of the had one of the five best records in baseball. It's like the Braves, the Yankees, like and then Cleveland. And the White Sox was right there. They were every year. It were constantly and I so that's what like made me start going, fuck the Cubs. They're not even trying to win. Why are you giving them love? For a team that is not, that is just saying, come look, look, drink beer, look at girls' titties, come on out. Like, that is what made it's me a good go. sales pitch. No, <laughs> no <laughs> right. I agree. But I understand but that. As a, dude, I'm a fan. Like, if you were I'm in your teens in the 90s? You were, I'm 80s, not trying to like give you Early age. 20s. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm 25. I don't care. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, I, like, I was just like, dude, like, what are we doing? Like, why, why, why are they still? Those 90s Cubs teams were bad, and it always cracked me up when people – who would complain about this latest rebuild that Theo did. And because they would say, oh, they've been rebuilding forever. I go, no, that's no, they weren't. They were bad. There's a difference between sucking and rebuilding. The 94 Cubs sucked. The 95 Cubs sucked. They would, you know what they would do? They would get a guy who was at the end of his career looking for one or one more two to three year contract. And they would pretend that, oh, that was our move. We signed Candy Maldonado, who hasn't been good since 88. We signed, you know, uh, Steve Bouchel, who was the third baseman for the Rangers for a minute and had one year where he had 20 home runs. Jeff Blauser's on board now. Remember him? He was yeah. an all-star with the Braves one time right. because seven other shortstops were hurt in the first half. Right. It was all just crap signings like that. And on the south side of town, I remember getting a little jealous because the White Sox came back with the black and white. Yep. You know, they, they Re- went, they, reinvented, reinvented their logo. Yeah, reinvented everything. the brand. Yep. Yep. And then had Frank Thomas, the big hurt, who I got to give Hawk Harrelson credit, even though I, I don't like him in a lot of ways as an announcer. He came up with one of the right, best right, nicknames right, ever. Right, I love right, the, the Big, big hurt. hurt. The Big Hurt. And he, and was, then, he was fantastic. And they, just, and they pieced together a squad through free agency, through like uh, developing the, the, the minor leagues. They pieced together. Ventura came through. Wilson Alvarez, Blackjack McDowell, Fernandez. They had a squad there. And if it wasn't for that strike year, they would have played – they probably would have played – Montreal in the World Montreal, Series. Could Montreal, have been. That Montreal team was, was loaded. Amazing. <laughs> Montreal, I was going to say they're going to beat Montreal, yeah. but that team was loaded. And so, but the, I will say this the best thing that happened to the Cubs was the Dusty Baker, Lou Pinella, because then they got good for a while and then they started to tank. And then Cubs fans finally was like, no, 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 yep. wait. We, no, we don't want. This is what winning baseball is. This is amazing. We won't accept this. So then when they got bad, the numbers dropped off. Oh, totally. And they had, that's when they got Theo. In 2011, I want to say, they had their lowest attendance in like 15 seasons. Right, because people and they were, were tired so, of their yeah. shit. Yeah, like, no. I, and I remember the Cubs-White Sox series in 2011 didn't even sell out. On yeah. either side of town, not one of the games sold out, which was crazy because, you know, when that series started in like 97 all the way through 2008, 2009, that was the hardest ticket to get in town. Right. It was easier to get an opening day ticket than it was a Cubs Sox series. And yeah, that was they deserved it though. And I remember being kind of happy about that. I, I was mad at the way the organization was. I, I didn't like Ricketts at first. He came in saying we're gonna keep the payroll high and then he immediately cut it in half. Uh, I, I thought Jim Hendry at the end made some horrible moves. They yeah. they just were here's what they would do. They never develop players. Like you were talking about the Sox developing players in the early 90s and right. and, and Magli Ordonez, and they had all these guys that were like, oh, man, we keep, they just keep coming out of nowhere. This is mm-hmm. great. Cubs never had that. Uh, under Jim Hendry, the previous GM, they had one positional player all-star that was drafted, Giovanni Soto, the catcher, who immediately went to shit after his rookie year. Right, but wait, what about Castro? 
Oh yeah, I forgot about Castro. Castro, See, you're right. I know right. more about your shit team than you do. I forgot about Castro because he wasn't drafted. He was a, it was an international signing. They signed him when he was 16. Okay, fair enough. That's why. No, but you're right, so, Castro. We did develop him, though. So I'll give you that. And now they've had uh, – well, Rizzo was drafted by the Padre or by the Red Sox, but it was the Theo guy. Chris Bryant. You got all these young guys who everyone comes up. They just had Wilson Contreras come up. Dude's been 400 in his first week with three home runs and like eight, nine RBIs, yep. his first major league week. It's really, it's like this endless supply. And it was such a genius move because at the time they kept saying, why do the Cubs keep drafting position players when they need pitching? Right. The idea is it's so risky to build around pitching. pitching. Look at the yeah. Mets right now. The Mets four starters eliminated the Cubs. But right now, Harvey is having a terrible year. DeGrom's fastball is down by four miles an hour. Syndergaard has been playing about, complaining about elbow spurts the last couple starts, and they were debating about putting him on the DL. Uh, the fourth guy, Mats, I think looks very average. If it's really if you build your entire team just around pitching, it's tough because pitchers are unpredictable. That's true. But you that get, being said, that is why that is why when it comes to the National League, I am taking the field versus the Cubs. The National League is absolutely loaded. There is not one easy out they'll have in the playoffs. Not one. The Nationals, they got a good pitching staff and yeah. a good offense. The Giants, you, every other year, their money. Why would you ever count out the St. Louis Cardinals? The Mets, even though, like you said, they're struggling, they did beat the Cubs. They did. And, well, and they, they spanked them, and they, they're, they're legit. Even though they're struggling right now, the Pirates could turn turn it around, and he, like the Dodgers probably won't make the playoffs. And he Kershaw struggles. just went on the DL, well, who, right? But well, who's gonna want to face that dude twice? Like it is not. There's not one easy out in the American League. It's the Royals, and then everybody else is is in the middle. Do of the you pack. believe in this Cleveland streak right now? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I I like their pitching. I don't think their offense is gonna is no. enough. I don't I don't believe I don't believe that Francisco Lindor as a number three hitter, like he, he gets on base. They they got speed for sure. They can run, kick they, they this. could go first to third with right. the best of them. They'll 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 probably need Brantley to come back and be be healthy and legit. I mean it's a nice dude. Also games, slow down Cleveland. Nice you you got your NBA title. Right. Relax. All right. You don't right. need to be getting you World be, Series yeah. now. Yeah, you I don't know. want I've got uh, yeah. a couple of Cleveland friends who are like, would it be crazy if it was Cubs Indians in the World Series? I'm like, no. Yeah, I want the Cubs when they go to the World Series to face like the Red Sox or some team that the rest of them of America is gonna be like, Yeah, screw them. I, I don't buy, want to be against a team that people might have sympathy for over my Cubs. I buy Cleveland over the Red Sox. I could see that. I don't I don't I don't buy the Red Sox pitching at all. Red Sox is built for for the for the regular season. They're not built to win the playoffs. I don't believe Well their I, big signing, David Price, has got a terrible playoff track record. He's got play, he's well, right now he's he's not yeah, good. He's, I think he's got like a four point two ERA. Right yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh Texas is good great in the American League. Well you're um back to the NL though. There's something interesting. You mentioned the Giants, and they do look really fantastic. They 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 would scare me in a playoff series. The Nationals do a little bit, but I've seen enough of them this year. Um, we pounded Scherzer one game, and then he destroyed us another right, game. Right, the Scherzer so came back like he came back. He yeah, came we, back we, like a champ. We right? lit him up for like six or seven runs. That's and the next what time I was struck out about, like seventeen. That's what I say us. about him. He's got he puts a chip on his shoulder like few other. When when it was twenty strikeouts, it's not a coincidence. It was against the Tigers. 
Oh, you chose Verlander over me? Here's 20 strikeouts. Deal with that. Like that. And then I the do Cubs, like him, man. The Cubs rocked him. He was like, it was like they knew what I was throwing before I threw it. And then next time it's like, you ain't seeing this coming. Like that dude's got a dude mean adjusts. streak in him. Well, you know, he's got that. He's, I would he's got that creepy stare. He's got two named, different colored eyes. Anybody named Max, do you ever really trust? Like that dude's always got a little evil in him. Yeah, right. it's I mean, an evil name. Do name is, Max, it, is it fully is it Maximus? Max, Maximilian, Maxim, uh, Maximus. It's, it's, it's very evil, yeah. rich guy. Maxwell, just evil. If he started speaking with a British accent out of nowhere, nobody would be surprised. <laughs> They'd be like, this makes sense, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, the, the Nationals pitching staff does scare me. Uh, the Giants, today, facing Oakland. Madison Bumgarner's on the mound. They're electing not to use the DH. Did you hear this? I know that. But what does that say to the bench? That's what I was saying. That's what I wanted to talk about. I'm like, if I'm like the fourth outfielder or if I'm like a guy that platoons normally, who's, you know, maybe having a decent year, I'm losing at bats to my pitcher. But you know what, though? Baumgarten deserves it. Look, he's been money for them in the playoffs. He's single-handedly almost won him the last World that Series. That World Series in 2014, he basically right. did, yeah. So it's like a Sandy said, Koufax performance. If he said, hey, I'm bad and clean up today. Like, yeah, dog. <laughs> I had you already penciled in. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I already had you penciled in. Fuck Posey. You're cleaning up. Yeah. yeah right. I love the idea of a – because I've heard Madison Bumgarner interviews, and he's very, like, modest and stuff. But I like you playing him like, listen – I'm batting third, and I'm playing third. Okay? <laughs> like this guy was like, you saw what I did in 2014. I'm yes. going to come out of it. Yeah, he's having a great year. The All of baseball right now, I was looking at the NL ERAs, and there's great ERAs in the American League too. Really low ERAs. Like a couple Cub fan friends of mine, uh, Arietta had a bad start his last time. I lost his second game. He's now 12-2 and two with a 2.06 ERA, and I had some friends like worried. And I'm like, do you realize – 12 and 2 of the 2.06 ERA is still insanely good. It's amazingly good. And like 10 years ago, people would, that would be like this historic thing because ERAs weren't that low. Right. Because of this, do you think the DH needs to come to the NL? No. This is what it, listen, man. I like, I like it. I like the. You like the way it is? Yeah. Did I, I guess in some ways I'm a traditionalist. I like the American League. I grew up with a DH isn't in the American that League. one league has and one league doesn't? No, I, I like the, the variance. I like because you got you get the both the best of both worlds. I like the 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 strategy that goes in and when they have to go and travel, I like that they have to adjust to that. You have to go, all right, we got David Ortiz who's batting 335 with 20 some home runs in this last year. Is he on the sauce again? What's going on listen, there? Listen, man, listen, this is what I'm saying. Fountain of youth. I I I don't want to put people on blast i don't want to put people on blast but to your point there's an incredible amount of low eras and then there's an amazing amount of home runs being hit too that's true right and that to me says that they found a new steroid a new undetectable steroid i believe that i'm not going to say who or what or who i think is doing it like i just feel like that's being a piece of shit, that'd be like if, if somebody, if some sports dudes was doing a sports podcast about comedians and they was just like, yeah, man, I'm pretty sure Bozeman's still in yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, Jesus no, yeah. Christ, where the fuck did that come from? Nah, he's just too funny, dude. I believe there's got to be somebody. <laughs> Something's he's happening. He's got a ghostwriter or no, something. Man. He found some old so, joke books. Uh, so from that standpoint, I won't. 
I won't no, do I that. Respect but that. there is a shit ton of home runs, and dudes ain't just clubbing home runs, except for Todd Frazier with a low, with a shitty batting average. To me, it's not. But there's just always home a random runs. Adam Dunn type guy like that, though. Right. Will bat two hundred two with forty home runs. Right. It but, is strange, though. But man. it's weird, dude. It's really weird. So where... are pitchers now juicing, dude? Because they pitchers always... were never cute. Well, Clemens, they of were... course. But they always thought steroids wouldn't help pitchers because you'd get bulked up and it wouldn't. You it's, know, that snapped your arm wouldn't it, work. It, it, what it did help them was the recovery time. Like I that think is a big pitchers, part of like, it. It's the recovery time. Like you know when you're. When you're 37, 38 years old, you might be able to throw 95, but you might be able to throw 95 miles per hour for four innings. But when you're doing that juice, it allows you to go. Because Clemens never went complete games. He gave you six or seven unhittable innings, and then he was out. And I'm just saying, like, oh, for, that, a dude that that Astros, was, Clemens. for a dude that was getting rocked in the in the in the, his Yankees and Blue Jays run, like all of a sudden he got pretty amazing. Both Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were two great athletes, two great baseball players who would have been Hall of Famers. Yep. Then they both had a second prime. That was what was weird. And they, the second the, prime was better than the first prime. prime. Yeah, your prime is supposed to be like twenty seven to thirty two right. and then you just gradually dip. Right. And then both of them at the age of 37 had this renaissance right. where it's like four Cy Youngs, yeah. four MVPs, how are you, breaking records. How are you 40 years old and the bases are loaded and they intentionally walking to do so? <laughs> yeah, right. that is crazy. Right. It like, was so, such a cartoon era of just like very, monster numbers. But yeah, man, I, I think that if I had to take a guess, I would say that uh, a new something new has been found. Okay, let me, I don't know. Let if me it's pivot a off of that point. This is something I talked about with my cousins recently. Baseball is always the sport because we saw records go down where they talk about steroid use and everything like that. Yeah. We assume people do it in football. Yeah. How come it doesn't get as publicized as much for football or even basketball? There's got to be some basketball players out there looking for an edge. I got to imagine there are some basketball players who have to be on something, but oh, it just does not. It's possible. Uh, well, baseball, for one, is truly a numbers-driven game. Like, if you... It's a grind like it's, of a season, it's, too. But, yeah, it's... You look at everything with numbers. Like, for example, uh, back in the day, Houston, Shane Battier was like, he's the most most valuable player in the league. When he's on the court, like, the plus-minus is so high with him. With baseball, it's like, I don't, I don't care that you only committed three errors you batting 243 you suck yeah right it's such a numbers oriented game where that one year who's that kid from the san diego chargers who got suspended for four games and for it was still second in defensive player of the year. Yes, sean merriman, sean merriman. Sean merriman. i can so never you know. believe I, that was always so shocking to me right. he was suspended for four games and when they came to defensive player of the year voting i still think he was, he was second. second yeah he was and that basically all jason the, taylor from miami i think won it, i believe right? you i believe you're right on that and it was always hilarious to me because I'm like, the writers just don't give a shit they don't in, in give football, a shit, apparently. I think they in understand, baseball, though, though. But I think they understand what, what football, though. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. These, these, are, these are the most physically angriest fit athletes, and they are trying to kill 
That's what I always say. I tell people, I'm like, yes, let let Cam Newton have fun in the end zone because he could get his neck broken any minute. Right. Yeah. You know, he's getting, they're getting paid millions of dollars to play a kids game. If you just avoided 11 people who are trying to murder you, you would probably do some dancing too. Right. Why even wouldn't though, you? Even though it was a bullshit move, how he was in the Super Bowl. I after not talking to the you gotta, you know, if you, you a little gonna, bit, if you're gonna I, be dude. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be, be that guy, yeah. If you want to stop me, if you don't want me to do that. Keep me from being in the end zone. And then they keep you from being in the end zone. You're like, I'm not talking to you guys. Like, you can't. Like, that's to true. Me, that's, you should have taken it. You should just At least on the Marshawn Lynch and just been funny about it, you know, where you just right. say the same thing over and over again. Do I always, I'm going to miss Marshawn man. Lynch. Yeah. I always love the way he just was like, this is stupid. I hate the He's media. He's great, man. Apparently, that dude's like very frugal. Yeah, someone was saying, like, one of his buddies was in so an he's interview. he all his money. He's just the cheapest bastard you'll ever come across. Good. He doesn't pay for anything. There's no cash on him. Just hold on to his money. Good for him, Good man. For, I mean, that's smart, because how many professional athletes we heard the other side of that, where they're just dead broke at 36, because yeah. uh, they just right. spending money left and right. right. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. Those yeah, guys make so much money. I think the average person has trouble comprehending it. I'm not going to name but names. Not but not football, though, right? Well, they do in football. I mean, they all do. The thing is, I think once you have that level of money, it's like with every, any job, though. I'll know people, it's like, oh, I'm making you know, 20 bucks an hour, and they're living comfortably, and or maybe they're just, you know, they got their bills, but they're still living comfortably. They get that raise to $25 an hour. Do they still like? Do they still live like someone making twenty dollars yes. an hour, or do they start living like someone's making twenty five dollars an hour? Right. That's just at that low level. There. I know when I sell and with a, sports, it goes. You know. I know when I sell an extra few CDs after my show, I fucking live it up, son. Yeah, that goes right back to. Let's <laughs> go right back into the community. I'm trying to think what comedian. Let's go right into it the is. community. <laughs> I think Owen sold, Benjamin. Most of us have sold six CDs. He bought everybody around. It's like a hundred <laughs> of us in here. Yeah. I know it's extra money. It's like found money at that point. Right. That's how we look at our merch. Uh, Owen Benjamin, a comedian friend of mine, you might know him. He, yeah, uh, know. he used to tell like I think he had like a CD made up that was called uh, uh, Bar Tab or something like that. He goes because all the profits go right toward my bar tab. He's like, I'm serious. You buy a CD, I'm going to spend it right at the bar, and I'll probably buy you a drink. And he ended up selling a lot of CDs. But like at the end of the day, I'd be like, How much did you actually make? He's like, oh, I got like 20 bucks left. I probably right. sold like two hundred dollars. I probably sold twenty CDs, ten bucks each, two hundred bucks. I got like a twenty left because I, I spent it went all right back. Dude, man, being a being a comic and especially working a road, dude, you you gotta have some sort of balance, man. It's just night after night, people buying you drinks. You being at the bars late night. You wake up, you feel like shit, so you can't write when you feel like shit. And then, then you'll get something to eat at a bar, and then you start drinking in, and you come back and you nap and you shower, and then it's two shows, and it's freaking rinse, lather, repeat, right? It it's is, a, man. I did a, a couple podcasts yesterday. Then I did a eight o'clock show, a nine o'clock show. Went out drinking until almost four. And then uh, today I woke up. I'm like, oh, I don't. I feel pretty good. This is nice. Showered, you know, read a couple of things, checked out some uh, sports center, and now I'm here talking to you. And I'm starting to sweat, and I'm feeling like the booze coming out of me because it's a little hot yeah. in the studio. It's a little warm in here, yeah. And you're yeah. right. And now <laughs> I just want to go back to bed. I know, man. It's so hard to get up and and crank. Like I try to get a workout in. I try to eat semi healthy, but yeah, man, it's it's a hard. It's a hard thing, man. It's uh, it's every time you you right there, and when you're sitting right before they call you up on stage, you're sitting right next to a bar. Can I get you one before I know, you go of on? Course, yeah. Absolutely, of course, yeah. If you, I, you I, absolutely I, can get me one before. I, when I meet exactly people, and they're like, "You guys drink every day," and I'm like, "Yeah, imagine if whenever you went to uh, work, there was an open bar. Like you would you would take advantage. Right. You would gamble on that a little. Like, yeah, sure, right. I'll have another cocktail for the kids. Exactly. It's, <laughs> 
back to the uh, salaries of uh, professional athletes. I'm not dropping a name, but I, I used to pal around with the, one of the guys in the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. No longer plays for the Blackhawks, but he was he won the he was on the two first two cup teams in 2013. Okay. 2013. I remember about a month after they won the cup in 2013, we partied hard all day, and I thought about how much money he must have spent because we ended up getting a hotel room at the Peninsula. Because his wife was pregnant and he didn't want to go. We, all, we used to just go back to his house and party in the great house. And uh, we went to the peninsula. And in the morning, you know, they send the bill under the door. I happened to see the bill. $7,000 for one night at the peninsula. And this, this was the nicest hotel I've ever seen in my life. It was gigantic. and this big wraparound balcony looking at the John Hancock Center. It was unbelievable. And I remember trying to do the math. Because when we first got to the hotel and checked in, he sent me and another one of our buddies. He gave us like 300 bucks to go to this liquor store around the corner and just we stacked up. We spent $300 worth of booze. And when there was, that was way too much. We had like a lot left, you know? Right. $300 worth of booze is a lot. Yeah. Like six cases. Yes. We had like three or four bottles of vodka and Jameson and some other stuff. And then, you know, people were showing up bringing booze too. And then we were at Kirkwood's earlier during, drinking there. And I was trying to do all the math. And I'm like, maybe he spent $8,000 in one day. And I go, that isn't crazy. I knew his salary. Anybody could look up his salary. So I looked up the salary. I'm like, all right. He makes 10000 a day. So he just spent so one day. He, he spent he's less than one day's day worth of, of pay. Right. Think the average person, when they go out, will spend a, more than a day's worth of money sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The average person probably doesn't make 200 bucks a day, or maybe they make $200, $300 a day. I know people who spend 300 bucks on, on, a, on, a, on a Friday, Saturday night if they're really going out hard. Yeah. And the next day, they're like, shit, I spent way too much money. Right. He's like, I'd even hit my one day. Mark. And he still can't. He still profited. Yeah, he still profited on that day. He, he had to try, to, and he made. I'll just say, because if you do the math, ten thousand dollars a day, he made about three point six mil. But not, but not only that, you're not going. I'm not counting taxes and stuff, obviously. When you're not counting taxes, you're not counting, but you're also not counting whatever endorsements he's got. Yeah, other side stuff. Yeah, whatever business deals he's got, whatever real estate he's got, whatever, however much money he's making in the market, like. Not counting any of that. So it's dude, really it's, hard. So if, dude, when I hear Marshall Lynch doesn't spend anything, I'm like, dude, open the wallet a little bit. But listen, though. So everyone's talking about Andrew Luck and his 87 guaranteed million. But I was, that's the one thing. Like a lot of times I'll watch Mike and Mike on, in the morning. Like I just have it on in the background. And like when I wake up, I wake up to like, to like sports center or whatever. And, and some, sometimes they're a little full of themselves and it's, it's just like Absolutely. Right, over the top. But every now and again, they say some shit that's just that's just like real. Like everybody's flipping out about how much money Andrew Luck is making, but that's like a utility. That's like utility salary for a baseball player, like a utility infielder. Yeah, yeah, like you know, much. like what what is what is what is Bryce Harper's salary? Three hundred eighty-five million. What it's is three fifty? It's going to be about that, right? What did A. Rod make? He made four hundred million. Was it because you combine all of the contracts? Yeah, right. And then everybody's like, "Oh, he's get eighty-seven million guaranteed." That's that's a drop in the bucket. And there is not too many more positions that's more important than a starting quarterback. And yeah, I think they, he's like, well worth it. If they believe no, he's yeah, healthy, yeah, sure he's worth it. But I'm just saying, like, I know compared, compared baseball to, salaries are out of control. Baseball salaries, there's out no of control, salary and cap. Now basketball is about to they they about to get a, a raise because of the the uh, TV revenue increase and everything. And I'm glad football you brought is that just up. Like a, a drop in a bucket. Yeah, the football. I think the NFL. They, well, granted, there's 45 players on the team too. So sure, <laughs> right, I definitely so. think that the NFL players union could do a better job getting 
I don't know, but more profit sharing maybe. Dude, because I I think some of those guys get hosed. They're not guaranteed contracts. Right. I tell people break your collarbone by like you know when people are like, oh, but it's a contract. No, don't. If they're not guaranteed, it's not baseball. It, right. It's not, it's not any other sport. Football is the only one where you sign a contract where it's like, yeah, this contract is yours, but once we decide. That we don't want to pay you, you're cut. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, about why do they it. even call it a contract? It should be, it should be it, another it name. It binds the player to the team, but it doesn't bind the team to the player. Wow, the, the team to the player. So, so I guess as long as it's if it binds one to the other, it, it makes it a, a contract. But that's why I'm like, you should always hold out if you if you outplay that oh contract, i totally agree with it totally you outplay agree. that contract fuck you i want a, I, a different contract i'm 100 percent behind players holding out yeah and the people who are against it are just some jerk off second string loser no who could never right. go over the fact that they couldn't make it right. and they don't know how the economics works yep i, I don't understand like oh what, what what you know you can't honor your contract it's like listen idiot if he had a bad year you'd be saying get rid of him he exactly. had an amazing year. Like, yeah, I remember the one year Devin Hester held out. Devin Hester got $450,000 that year to set an NFL record for returns in a season. Right. Yes. Right. To hold out. He made your, the Bears' it. average starting field position was like the 40, 45 yard line because they would just like kick it out of bounds. <laughs> he was so good. I remember when Lovey left in the first year of Trustman, people saying, oh, I wish we had Lovey back. I'm like, no, I wish we had Hester back. You guys don't understand right. how amazing that guy was. Yeah. He, he was, was such great, a weapon. Was, he was great. He I, really I, was. Yeah. He should make the Hall of Fame as a returner. I believe all of them should make the, the all those dudes. People say, but he's a returner. Look, man, there's so many games that's been won and lost on special teams. I don't care that he's a special teams Hall of Famer. He's the best of the best in, uh, in special teams. If you are the best at your position, you belong you in the belong Hall of Fame. Really, an offensive lineman, a punter, a, a, a kick returner. Long snapper, whatever. Fucking Steve yeah. Tasker. Fucking put him in. Why not? It's a museum. Who gives a shit? <laughs> They have to put it's five guys automatically in every way. It's a goddamn. That's what it is. It's a, that's what I would make in my house. It's a goddamn museum. I'm not going to cry over this. Yeah. Fucking give me my statue. Give me my bullshit. Change the color of this coat. This fucking, <laughs> fucking mildew, piss yellow. Yeah, what is this? Awful. Give me a real jacket. It's like Dijon or whatever. Right. Yeah, this yeah, Dijon mustard jacket. Fuck you. Give me my statue. Thanks. I played as hard as I could. I had some bitches. I had some booze. It I'm was out. a good run. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the memories. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I hope they'd be great if someone did do that. Marshawn Lynch. That's his speech. That's right Marshawn there. Lynch, right? The oh. NFL, though. Does Marshawn Lynch make the Hall of Fame? I would. I have to look at his numbers again. I don't think he does. It's borderline. Don't you think he's probably borderline? He's got, what, four years of. Four years of dominance might not be enough. I think in this day and age for a running back, you need six. You know, because someone was asking me about Sean Alexander, and I just say no to him, so I might have to say no to Marshawn too. Then yeah, you're right. Sean Alexander had a monster year, and then uh, two and years later, he's out apart. of the league. It's running backs are tough. You know, think about it, there's so many of those guys where you're like, oh yeah, he's amazing, and then like when they fall off, they fall off. Yeah. Ladainian Tomlinson was so good, and then just. <sighs> And he still had a little bit left, though. He had a little. He could bit shake. Left the guys who could shake a little bit will will stay there. He's, he's first ballot Hall of Famer, though. I agree. I agree because he had, he had seven or eight seasons where he was amazing. Amazing. That's that's all you need. Yeah. I think you need six or more. And I use the word, I use six because that was how many seasons Gale Sayers played. But they were they were six of the greatest running back seasons ever. <laughs> but I'm just saying as a number, I'm not going to let someone in who had five okay years. No, you got to have at least. I think you need six really good years. So you're probably right. I'd have to look at Lynch's numbers again, but I don't think I don't think he had enough longevity. Adrian Peterson is. 
I always Jennifer hate Kowalski's when, when, when someone compares, like somebody was trying to say that Curtis Martin, I think her Curtis Martin is a hall, should be a Hall of Famer. But somebody's saying to me, Curtis Martin is all a Hall of Famer, and then they start going, is he better than this, this, and this? And all they did was name Hall of Famers. So I was like, he doesn't have to be better than them. He only has to be better than the people that's not getting in. Sure, yeah. Right? You don't have to be better. He could be the 13th, because at the time it was only, I think there's only 13 running backs in the Hall of Fame. Is that right? Dude, it's really, it's a really low number. You, we could For, probably name That's them. strange because in the NFL, you have to have, a, five people have to go in every year. That's a rule. Like in right. baseball, they could have zero in a, right. a year. But if you, we could, listen. Okay, let's we could try. Go. Peyton, obviously. Jim Brown, obviously. OJ, obviously. Dorsett, obviously. Yes. Gail Sayers, obviously. Uh, Franco Harris, right? Yes. Uh, Jim, uh, Jerome Bettis made it. Right, John Riggins made it. Seven, eight. Uh, Earl Campbell made it. Okay, up to nine. Now and we're, now we're starting. To now really we're think. starting to struggle. Marcus Allen. Okay, yes, Marcus Allen. Ten. Uh, Marshall Falk. Did he make? Is he out? Yeah, he would have made it. Yes, I believe he right? made it so a couple that's years 11. back. <sighs> Do you say Gail Sayers? Eric Dickerson. Twelve. Dickerson's twelve. Who um, else? Is Bronco Nagurski? Is he in it? I don't think so. Right, Maybe? I don't know. I don't know if Bronco Nagurski's in it. Ricky Waters? No. No, right? No. I'm just trying to think of the 80s running backs. Uh, Maybe Roger Craig? That's a maybe, too. Did every great running back I could think of in the 80s and 90s only have a couple good years? Yeah. Terrell Davis? No. No. He's not in it. He only had a couple good years. That's what I'm trying to think of. Who else? Who were the stud running backs in the 90s? There really weren't a lot. Like Curtis Green Bay Martin, never really Jerome had some Curtis Martin. Definitely, it was a stud. Curtis Bettis. Martin, Jerome Bettis. Right. There was like we went like a whole decade. Marshall Falk was the one. Edron James. Do you know who I love? Nope. Like, he's not. But was he? Evan Smith's in it. We forgot Evan Smith. Did he just he, make it? I think it? he just got in the Hall Okay, then he recently. just got in. So it, then maybe it's maybe it's. I'm like, 15. There, who was? I'm trying to think who the maybe best running back in the nineties. Fifteen running backs. Barry Sanders. It. Barry Sanders. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Barry Sanders and Evan Smith were the best running backs in the nineties. Right. I'm trying to think who else was good. You know who I liked a lot, but he just career just totally went down. They had such a cool little uh, fullback tailback was uh, Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstott. Remember them? Right. Those yeah, Tampa yeah, teams yeah. were fun Thunder to watch. And Lightning. Yeah, in the late '90s, early 2000s, they won the Super Bowl in 02 uh, against my dad's Raiders. Man, was he pissed that he? He's, my dad's a big Raiders fan. He says if you're a Bears fan, you have to have an AFC team to root for, and he, the Raiders were his AFC team. And when I was a little kid, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pick my own AFC team. Not, not to go against them. I picked the Buffalo Bills because wow. they were playing in the Super Bowl that year against the Giants and they ended up oh, losing four similar. Super Bowls in a row. Wow, I picked them at the start of that horrid run. <laughs> and now I don't really care. I mean, if, I, if they're on, I'll right. watch them. Also in Techno Bowl, I love playing the Bills because they had Thurman Thomas and he was Thurman awesome Tom- in Techno Thermon Bowl. Thurman Thomas should have made He it. should be. I don't know if he is though. See, he now Thurman be. Thomas should be in easily, right? Yeah, like, if Jim Kelly's in the Super Bowl or Jim Kelly's in the Hall of Fame, Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas. I think Thurman Thomas. I is think in. he's in. I think he's in. That'd be but a my point crime is, it's not, not a lot of running backs. You're right. We just you couldn't. I couldn't. You and I couldn't name quarter, all the quarterbacks. We couldn't come close so to naming ninety percent of the quarterbacks. We at least named ninety five percent of the running backs. That's in it. And if, in and a lot of the, the Hall of Fame inductees, a lot of them are just some big offensive tackles and guards that are just good old boys who hang out, you know, and right. they announce games now and people like them because every, every year I look you at the hall of fame good, class. Right. I'm like, who's this guy? You gotta be good. Anyway. I mean, they're still good. I'm not saying they're just letting right. some bums in there. Uh, but offensive linemen are tough because they don't have stats. There's no right. like Wide receivers are even more difficult. I think to get in. I'm trying to think of current running backs. Who's like an automatic bet. 
I think Adrian Peterson. Adrian, Peter, Adrian Peterson is an, is 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 a lock. Is as lock as lock gets, and then that's it. And that might be it for playing right now, huh? He's the only one that's a lock. I don't think Marshawn Lynch gets in. I really don't. No, you're right there. I'm trying to think if there's another player that we're just missing right now. That's playing? Yeah. No, from running backs, I think you're right. I think it's just AP. A quarterbacks we know, obviously. Peyton Manning just retired, but he's a lock. Brady's a lock. Drew Brees is a lock. Yeah, that's three. That's a lock. It's about three or four right there. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's a lock. Roethlisberger, yep. Yeah, he's yep. a lock. He'll get in there. Aaron Rodgers, unless he gets injured and then doesn't play the next nine years Eli or something. Eli Manning? He's close. Eli's playoff numbers are so – it was one of those things where Peyton had the best regular season numbers. Right. But in the playoffs, you'd rather Eli. I know they both won two Super Bowls, but Eli's – his Super Bowl runs were super impressive mm-hmm. where Peyton, had, I think, has like a 500 record in the playoffs, even with that last Super Bowl win, which really wasn't even a Super Bowl win for him. That was like a team win. I, Anyone playing quarterback would have won. He didn't throw a single touchdown in that game. I think with Peyton, the problem is, and it's true for all playoffs, is that Peyton Manning was so great in a regular season that when it came to the playoffs, his – team was exposed more so than he was kind of like how john elway was elway was great in like getting his team to the super bowl right but then when he got to the super bowl his first three or four he got demolished right but like it was like he got him to the super bowl because he was so great that he just was able to lift his team to a point but peyton man was so great he never had a great defense Right? No, he yeah. Never had a great defense. It was just, you know, yeah, it was a, good a few. Offense. They had a decent pass rush a couple of those years with Freeney. But that's when they won the Super Bowl. That's though, true. Right? That's true. <laughs> when Freeney got. I think it was just bad on Peyton's end. Against our Bears. Yeah, that was rough. 06, 07. Peyton, the thing with him with the playoff numbers was that so many times it was at home. He lost at home a lot. Yeah. He, with a home record, I think he was like 7 and 9. Yeah. With home field advantage. So that's, I'm not thinking of him painting, obviously, his first battle hall of fame right there. You can't argue. What, what do, you th- do, you, do you think Tom Brady then with, better than Peyton? I, if I had to choose, I like Brady better. All I right, pick but, Brady better. Because he right. just had – you were talking about no defense for Peyton. How many years did Brady not have any receivers? He had DM Branches as number he didn't one. Have, he didn't have receivers, but he also, he also had a fantastic defense. So he basically just had to – he didn't have to go out and win the game. Like every time, like when his first two Super Bowl wins, he just had to go down and lead them to good game-winning field goals. Field goals. 45, 40. They, they weren't even like he got them to the 10-yard line. He got just in enough range of in his area. That's true. 45, 47 yards. And even still, both times, they were tied. They weren't losing. Like Joe Montana was down. And it was like, I'm about to march this squad down and get a touchdown. Fucking game time field goal. I'm about to get this touchdown. So that's fair. But what if what if Manning has Belichick? That's yeah. I mean, I thought about that. If Manning had Belichick, how much better would he be? Like, Hard would to he say. Be going against arguably the best. I think Belichick is the best coach in the history of sports. Really? Ah, that's I t- would. You know what? I would agree with that. And and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Chicago right now because I think. Phil Jackson's overrated, and I think Mike Dick is overrated. Oh, Mike Dick is a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. Mike Dick is a piece. You hear he's speaking of at a Trump rally now or whatever. I don't. You I don't, don't care. Dude, about I don't politics, even care about but, like, 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 dude, but, but he. You look at how 
he he was great at first, but he's he was he's not a great coach at all. He no. is mediocre. He screwed over the Saints best. franchise. I really screwed him over, and that, I think that with that Bears team, the '85 Bears, it would, should've, they should have won more than one Super Bowl. Should have won more than one Super little, Bowl, but that was on him. He he his ego and all that other shit. Like he, Mike Dickett as a coach. As a like whatever, as a player, he was great. I'm not, not gonna take away. Oh no, yeah, he was great. He like reinvented but, the tight end right. position. But as a as a coach, he's overrated. Phil, I I argue with you on that. Well, here's what I'm what my thing about Phil is. We'll talk about Phil, and then I want to add one basketball thing. I want to get your prediction on where do you think Durant's going, and then we're gonna wrap it up by reviewing 30 for 30, the 1985 Bears. Okay. Greatest team of all time, I think. Anyhow, so with Phil, he never built his own team. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a great manager of personalities. Uh, what people don't remember, I mean, I'm sure you would, and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. The Bulls with the triangle, they never really ran a true triangle. The Lakers ran more of a true triangle. The Bulls, a triangle is supposed to create easy baskets inside. How many times do those Bulls teams have easy baskets inside? Not often. It was usually Jordan bailing them out with a fadeaway. It, and they were, see, were. I wouldn't say it bailed them out. What it did was it created space for the Bulls to do so their superstars could operate with room. If you think about it, man, if you truly think about it, if you a team and you say, all right, we going against Jordan. It's a few minutes left. Game is close. We know they're going to Jordan. We are going to double and triple team him. And that's what the offense did. It prevented them from double and triple teaming them. And when they did double and triple team them, it left Kerr and Paxson and BJ for those wide open shots. That's what the triangle that's what I think that the triangle offense did. It's no you I think correct. it worked better you're with the Lakers though, as, as far as a true triangle goes. But that's because the triangle is supposed to benefit a dominant center. center which Luke Longley was not Luke Longley Bill, Bill Wennington and yeah. Cartwright were not dominant no. centers where Shaq is they was were as dominant as it came Cartwright so was a good that, at defense but right so from that standpoint yeah the triangle probably was more fluid with Shaq because he was shooting 60 percent from the field yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was incredibly efficient. Phil Jackson, I'm not saying he's not a great coach, but whenever I hear people gush and gush over him, I'm kind of like, he never built his own team. Really, that Doug Collins Bulls team, people forget in 1990, the year before the 3 P began, Doug Collins uh, was the coach. They went to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was two years before the 3 uh, the P began. Oh, was Phil Phil's Jackson, Phil first, Jackson year, first year they lost to Detroit in seven. That's right. Okay, shit. I got my timeline That's confused. why I'm, I'm here for you. Thank you, Kevin. I'm here for See, you. That's I'm, why I get smart I'm comedians I'm a human whiteout. You guys what, just, I just let it look so funny. Well, they were close with Detroit. You know what? I like to say this. Some people always say, oh, the Bulls could have won eight if Jordan didn't go play baseball. And I believe that. I, I sometimes think they think, I think they could have won nine if he would have played in 99 against yep. that Spurs team. But I also think they could have won 10 if Scottie Pippen didn't go one for 10 in game seven and sit out with a headache. People forget in game seven against Detroit in 1990 in the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. Scottie Pippen was one for 10 from the field and he, had migraines. He, he didn't was, play like at all was, in the second half. Right. And I think. Uh, and was, then the uh, Pistons swept the Lakers in the finals that year. No, they beat the, the they beat, them in they six. beat Portland in five. 
Oh, see, so the year before they beat they beat the Lakers in eight, 89. They and swept then they the Lakers and then they beat Portland, Portland in five. five. Okay. It's possible. Why am I getting 89 like and 90 confused? I keep switching. Maybe you it's got heat, some man. shit now. Maybe something. <laughs> I bet you if we sat down, if I laid you down on the couch and started to ask you about 88, 89, something traumatic happened. And then you just blacking it out. Like, dude. You blacked dude, it out. <laughs> my parents divorced in 1989. They did not. I swear to God. I swear on every joke. No, I, I hate I to laugh everything. at that. No, dude, laugh at it. That's, that's hilarious. You're right, man. Holy oh, my God. You just broke shit. me down. <laughs> dude, that's amazing. 1989, man. It was rough. That's amazing that you block Pumps. out everything in sports in 89. I must have And your just, parents yeah. got divorced. Maybe I was trying to watch sports as they were yelling in the background. Oh, and my I just God. Uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. They divorced in 1989. That's crazy. Yep. Well, problem solved, buddy. Five too. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's no, okay. It's okay. I'm going uh, to get it together. So yeah, dude. I, in some ways, Phil Jackson. Yes. I just be. like to have seen him one time. Have built his own team. You know. Right. But then when you're that guy, but, I don't blame him in that regard. Ma- he was. Why go through that? He was a manager of egos. Yeah, that's true. He, Nobody else, very, I don't know if anyone else could have took Dennis Rodman on that squad and, and, and did it. And, you know, and Dennis Rodman had Phil Jackson present him at the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, no, so that's that right. So that's it. Like, so yeah, to your point, that, I think Phil the best X great. and O coach, I think the best X and O coach uh, in basketball is just the best teacher of the game is Larry Brown. Okay. I think Larry Brown's the best Popovich, teacher. Popovich, what do you think of him? Popovich is like Popovich was great at trans at figuring at, at switching eras. Either way like they've been able like, to win a title like, every right, three or four years. Like he's in that way he was like Belichick. Like when Belichick saw what the NFL was doing, when they was like allowing free reign for offenses, and first thing he did was like, Well, we'll take Randy Moss. We'll take Randy Moss and Wells Welker. I like to say, I tell people, Brady's the one year Brady had great receivers. He set the record. Right. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like he was like, I want, I, I'll take these two dudes because he saw the change coming. Yeah, Popovich is good on that. Popovich was like, look, dude, I'm gonna start sitting you guys out. I'm gonna start doing this, but, but I still hate him for not having a rebounder out there at the end of that one game. The end of game six when they lost to Miami the first time they beat him the next year, of course. They had they were up by a bunch and they kept the Miami kept fouling. Ginobili was going one for two from the line. Remember Ray Allen mm-hmm. hit that LeBron had a big three, then Ray Allen hit a big three. Yeah. If they would have just had one rebounder out there, because they didn't, they had all their free throw shooters out there. Yeah. So they weren't getting possession. If they would have had one rebounder out there, Dude, that, the game's over. That's the that mistake. was his mistake. That's the mistake. And I love Popovich has made in the past. He's he like he's made some X and O mistakes. That's why specific about like Larry Brown's the best S and O. Pat Riley's the best motivator, but and Phil's so, the best manager of personalities. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how you want to take Red Arback, but Red Arback was the is probably the greatest front office dude ever. I mean, you know, I don't know if you knew this, he he drafted Larry Bird before a year before he came out. Really, people don't even talk about that. How do people not talk about that? I had no idea. And then they and then they banned it. So if you think. This is how great Red Because you were allowed was. to do that back then. This is, how great, this is how great he was. Check it out. And then we will talk about that 30 for 30 Bears. Sure. So he drafted Larry Bird a year before he comes out. And then the Celtics have the worst record. So now they got the number one pick and Larry Bird coming. He takes the number one pick, which would have been Joe Barry Carroll at the time, traded 
to Golden State for their number three pick and Robert Parrish. And that's how they got Parrish, Bird, and McHale. Wow. Don't tell me. Like, that's that's why I'm like. That's when, some next level stuff right, right there. Like, you got to, like, when you look at teams like the Celtics and the Lakers and it, like, Sometimes when you go, oh, that guy wasn't good. They didn't have, like, teams that just championship pedigree. Like, Jerry West worked out Kobe Bryant and was, like, flipping out, like, lost his shit. Like, how do I get this dude? How do I get this dude? That's what, like, having people that's evaluated talents do. I love hearing stories like that where it's, like, I knew this was my guy and we did whatever we could to get that guy. And, 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 like, you don't factor that in. Like, somebody like Kevin Garnett who just languished in Minnesota and his best player was Wally Serbiak and... And then Gugliata. Gugliata was good for a year or two. Yeah, and that's, he, well, he was hurt. white guy good. No, Gugliata <laughs> had a good year overall. He was like 18 points a game on a team that was 500. but Which is what Kevin Love was to me, too. Kevin Love is so overrated. Kevin Love so overrated. is decent, but he you can't how build much, a team around him. How much better would Cleveland have been if they kept Wiggins? I don't – listen, this is a, that's another reason why – it's like, another reason why you shouldn't let players be your GM. A, I right. love LeBron, but right. he was pushing for that Kevin Love you move. If he had Andrew Wiggins, and then and then he could have groomed him too. Right. Damn. And now you just coast on championships. You got two young studs, and all you got to do is just be a superstar every now and again. But it's that yeah. win now, man. That yeah, no, now. they weren't thinking big picture. He just so desperately wanted to give Cleveland that ring so he could get that off his back. Yeah. Um, that was a great finals, though, and I'm glad that people, I think we're finally in an era where people could appreciate LeBron for LeBron. Where do you have a rank? The decision. Uh, number two. I all actually time? rank second all time, yeah. I got him five. You got him five? I, I, and I it's got such a cluster, five. two to the five to me is a real cluster. See, one through four to me is pretty set, which is uh, Jordan, Kareem, Magic, and uh, Russell, and that's top four. And actually, I think Russell is the only dude that you can make an argument that would be number one if it wasn't Jordan. But I got him number four. And this is the only reason why I got LeBron five, and it's hard for me to move him, even with the championship. This is his 13th year in the league. He ain't getting better. No, right? his regular season numbers this are dropping is, right. already. We've already this seen is, the decline. This is the best that he's going to be. So for me, like the best he's going to be in year 13 and like, why are you down three games to one before you decide to start balling? <laughs> like people don't he, realize if they would have lost, say they say Draymond doesn't get suspended, he plays game five, and they actually lose in five. Right? You could really blame LeBron. He played terrible his first right. two games. He filled out a stat sheet nice, yeah, but, but he, he wasn't was there. Good, no, he wasn't but, even, there were times he wasn't even in the shot. He, when they were showing he, the offense, but he had the first four games. He had more turnovers than anyone yes right you have more turnovers than setting anybody. an nba record and then think about if ray like to your point if san antonio in the back if ray allen doesn't bail him out he could have been easily been one and five but you take somebody like okay so take somebody like magic five championships right his first 12 years in the league he went to the finals nine times so that's five rings he won in those not 12 years but his losses were to jordan doc and moses Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas. Those were Magic's four losses. Yeah. I can't put LeBron over, over Le- that dude. LeBron's first loss, well, not well, the San Antonio, but uh, when he started Dallas, that super he team, was, he was terrible in the Dallas series. Awful. And I like to use that. I'm glad I could talk to you about this. I always like to use the Dallas series because people are like, oh, how can we ever compare eras and stuff like that? 
Sean Marion guarded LeBron that whole series mm-hmm. and held him to like 39, 40% shooting and like Brutal. 18 points a game. And didn't score it all in the fourth quarter. Like Sean Marion was playing great D and they switched on him well the, and a lot. You know what I said? The only player that didn't play like they played throughout the playoffs was LeBron James, like in that championship. Everybody yeah. else did exactly what they supposed to do. Yeah, and you so he you was could, the one dude that was just like, Ugh. So like, you could you you could put that finals loss on him. Right. If you're as a matter of fact, you he, could you, say you, he's you the put, reason Miami lost. He's exactly the reason why. And they you lost. can never say that for Magic Johnson, That's Michael Jordan. Right. Magic Johnson once. One year they called him Tragic Johnson, but that was like year – he was in year three of the, of the league. Uh, the see, time. that's why I know. Okay, well, that's see? fine. I don't give LeBron crap for the losing to San Antonio. Right, I can't exactly, give him. Like, yeah, because right, yeah, that was really – the, the East Cavs, was, the East was awful. The Cavs were what the sixth best team in basketball. Daniel Marshall was the second best player. Like so, yeah. So they got and they got spanked. Gibson. Gibson right. actually had that one game where he dropped twenty five. Gibson. I was looking at that series one time, and LeBron wasn't the number one scorer in Cleveland. He was only number one scorer two of the four games. Yeah, Daniel but Gibson, see, but I'll, I'll, I mean, let that, but I'll, I'll let I don't that still go. count that like, either because he was right. twenty three. He go. played amazing against Detroit the finals, but the series before that to get them there, and people yes. always think. The average fan will be like, oh, those are the two teams in the NBA Finals. Those must be the best two teams in the league. No, the East was really bad. I mean, that year New Jersey went to the Finals. I mean, there are years that who's ever representing one side or the other was maybe the sixth best team in basketball. Yeah. You know? See, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's, I wish that they right. would get rid of the East-West and just have seeds. So do I. That way you could actually have the best versus so the best. So do I. So do I. That'd be cool. And so, yeah, so I don't have them in front of uh, Magic. Kareem, dude, they got the most devastating shot ever. Led the NBA in scoring. Kareem won his first championship in like 72, and then seven, 16 years later, they're going to him when it's game seven and they're down one against Detroit. They're going to Kareem. They're going to 16 him, yeah. years later. We need a basket. We going to Kareem. And he delivers. I agree. I wish Kareem would be talked about more. I feel like he gets, I think he's like so, underrated. Yeah, I got him number two. And then Magic number three. And then Russell. Like Russell, dude, Russell's last 19 years that he played basketball. Through high school and college, his last 19 years, he won 15 championships. Like, that's maxed out. I know. That's just right. Uh, so, yeah, LeBron James is great, but those dudes maxed out on those careers. That's why I can't put them like. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. I feel I feel like if I change my mind about two, people listening are be like, oh, you're just changing because he's making good points. And that's what smart people do. They hear other points and they reassess. <laughs> and they, you know, you're making a good point. I think maybe right now I had LeBron number two because it's just. It's what I'm seeing right now. And it's out of sight, out of out mind. Out of sight, out of mind. And you're right. Rethinking about that Dallas series, even rethinking about that San Antonio series when he was pretty bad those first few games of that series too, you can't erase the bad performances. It kind of does irk me when people say, well, if he gets to six, what if LeBron gets to six rings? I don't care. His numbers still won't be better than Jordan's. People Jordan forget. went six for six. Six for six. The only thing that ended Jordan's runs were Jordan retiring. Jordan just said, I've had enough. And yeah. So if you, so if you, if you flipped it, and Jordan said, oh, Jordan, we want you to win more championships to be the best. All right. I left three on the table. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I didn't give a shit. I went six for six, six MVPs. And then the biggest, here's the thing about Jordan. That Jordan, those six championships they, they won, they only went to two game sevens throughout, that, throughout every play. They never went to Game Seven in the in the championships. Yeah. They went to Game Seven in Year Two against the Knicks, and they went to Game Seven in Year Six the against the Pacers. That's it. No one that, else. That always cracks me up when people say that's the only funny thing about sports fans in general because the average sports fan's an idiot. We know that. Not the yes. people listen to this show. You guys are great. 
is that they'll say something like, LeBron's the greatest game seven player of all time. How can you say he's not clutch? I'm like, yeah, because really good players don't make the game, game seven. Sevens. What are they you talking about? Sevens. You know? That's right. It goes that way. I remember one time in hockey, they were like, oh, this team's out hitting them. And I'm like, yeah, because the other team has the puck the whole time. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like right. there's certain things that, yeah, numbers don't lie, but they could definitely manipulate and they yes. could deceive you into thinking one way or another. Yeah, so LeBron know? is way better at game seven than Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. Yeah, sure. Know, right? well, even thing. though Colin Jordan Cowherd, went, oh, I'm glad even though Jordan went triple double against the Knicks and then he uh, had a monster game against the, the Pacers, but whatever, yeah. I know. What did Colin Cowherd say? Colin Cowherd was trying to say if LeBron's better than Jordan, and he was comparing them through age 31, which was really annoying because Michael Jordan did not play at all in his, when he's 31. He was 30 when they beat Phoenix and then played baseball the next year. So I'm like, you got to eliminate that year. Also, you got to eliminate Jordan's. They were comparing, you know, through, they should just compare them through age 30. And you got to understand Jordan's second season, he played 17, 18 games. You remove that year, and if you remove, let's say you do Jordan's whole career with the Bulls. 13 seasons with the Bulls. You remove those two. You remove the 94, 95 when he just came back, still a baseball player legs. Right. Was wearing 45. Wasn't quite the same guy. Didn't like, they almost got rid of Tony Kukoc because he's like, this guy's too slow to play with me. People forget that. But then he worked, they worked with him. And I'm glad they kept him because Kukoc was good. You remove those two seasons, 86 when he got injured, the baseball shortened uh, 94 season. That's 11 seasons. Six titles in 11 seasons. Six for six. That's how I view it. Dude. And, once ten scoring titles. Once Jordan, once Jordan got as good as he could be, no one can beat him. That's my argument. Yeah, he's as good as he can be. He took on all comers, and he destroyed. He was the best player in the biggest moments. There was no shying away. He destroyed. And I bring up uh, Sean Marion earlier, and then we'll switch to uh, the '85 Bears. He. Uh, guarded LeBron and shut him down in that series against Dallas. And Dallas, by the way, was with the only had one all-star, Dirk Nowitzki. There's only yeah. been three teams that have won an NBA title in the last 30 years with only one all-star. Dirk, uh, Hakeem did it twice, and uh, the 91 Bulls with Jordan. Jordan made the all-star team there. Pippen wasn't quite an all-star yet. He only averaged like 15 points in the regular season. Then the okay. next year he went up to a 17-18 point right, guy, right, right, and then right. the defense really popped. Uh, Pippen was great, of course. Uh, Sean Marion guarded Jordan when Jordan was on the Wizards. And Jordan destroyed him every time. Yeah. Granted, there was a younger Sean Marion, but Jordan. But that was hit, an older Jordan. It was an older, a 40 year old Jordan. Jordan hit a shot at the buzzer against him because he only played for Phoenix that year, pumped his fist. And I remember this moment because I was laughing about it when I saw the highlight on Sports Center. You see him mouth something to these fans behind Phoenix's bench. Right. And then I, I rewound it and it, you could hear Jordan. So he hits the shot at the buzzer, pumped the fist, looked at them and goes, That's what they pay me for. Such a good cocky Jordan line. <laughs> and in the All-Star game, in that last All-Star game where Jordan yeah. would have had the game winner right, or something, they he didn't foul Kobe. They didn't call a foul. They yeah, shouldn't have called it. They even called it. What's wrong with you? Even Kobe looked like, what the like, why, why are you calling, you calling this? this? dumb. Jordan had that fadeaway that was right. right in Marion's face. Anyway, I'm just trying to say, sometimes you could compare an era there where a 40-year-old Jordan could dominate Marion who then dominated LeBron. So, All right, uh, the 85 Bears, legendary team, greatest defense of all time. I think that's easy to say. The 30 for yes. 30 is out there. It's on Netflix. I recommend you checking out. Vince Vaughn narrates, Yeah, which is kind of cool. Right. I think he did a good job with that. Um, I think I think any of us could have did a good job. Sure, because it was such a <laughs> right. team. That team had so much personality. You had Walter Payton, Dicka. We were just talking about what a jerk it's he is. It's the team that Dicka ruined now. Yes. That's what you can call it. And with Buddy Ryan just died the other day. Uh, rest in peace. Great, Probably one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. People don't know this story. When Dicka came in, he wanted to get rid of Buddy Ryan. Right. And Hallis said, no, absolutely right. not. No, well, the team wrote him a letter. 
the team, the de- the 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 defensive players wrote Hallis a letter in '81. Go, I know you're bringing a new coach, but please do not get rid of Buddy Ryan. He is so good in this and that, and so they kept Buddy Ryan because of the letter. And then Buddy Ryan ended up writing them a letter 30 years later, and then everybody like Singletary couldn't read it. Like he's crying and oh, shit. Wow. He's just uh, he couldn't read it. Fence that got choked up, but yeah. Singletary, another personality. Dude, that team. Dan Hampton, Mongo McMichael. Like, there was just, uh, there was a hell of an era. I, I think the unsung hero on that team was Wilbur Marshall. I agree. Wilbur Marshall, that's, matter of fact. He was fast. Wilbur Marshall was so fast and so good. He's the reason why the Bears didn't go undefeated. That's how good he was. This is my theory. Buddy Ryan was stubborn. He didn't like. So back then, there was no three wide receiver sets. So Miami went three wide receivers. Nat Morris, a little scat wide receiver. But instead of them nickeling up and bringing in another cornerback, Buddy Ryan mistakenly thought that Wilbur Marshall could keep up with Nat Moore. Now, Wilbur Marshall was fast, but he ain't quick. There's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Wilbur Marshall's really fast, but he's not quick, so he couldn't keep up with Nat Moore, and they just darted all across the field. They dropped 38 on the, on the Bears. But it was because Buddy Ryan believed in Wilbur Marshall so much that he didn't change his defensive philosophy, and Miami just kicked the shit out of him. But if, if, if Buddy would have been like, okay, we just got to take a, a, a defensive back and put it on on on, ah, on him. They yeah. would have guarded they would have been able to guard three wide receivers and they would have been legit. But because he didn't make that change, I believe that's that's what hurt him. But Wilbur Marshall was fantastic. Fantastic. I was too young, of course, to really enjoy it. But it's something of legends, especially in Chicago. It's the stuff of legend. Mike Dicka not getting Walter Payne into the end zone in the Super Bowl. Fuck Dicka. Right? That, Fuck Dicka. Because Walter Payton, Walter Payton embodies everything you want out of an athlete. Just this great guy who loved the fans, cared about his teammates, worked his ass off. Uh, great in the community, great family guy. All all the things you'd want. If you have a son, you want him to be like Walter Payton, no matter what he chooses to do with his life. Right. No, no matter what, you want him to be the Walter Payton of his profession. Right. And this guy was your horse. During the regular season. One of the, still, most people say the greatest running back of all time. Right. Do it all. And you don't get him. You get William Refrigerator Perry into the end zone, which because looks funny. Ha ha. Right. Like look a big want, fat guy in the end zone. Because you want your ego to be like, this is my guy. William Refrigerator Perry is my guy. I made, he made Buddy Ryan insert him in a lineup. Buddy, Buddy uh, Fridge didn't start the regular season. But, but uh, Dick was like, no, he's starting. You take him out. But Buddy Ryan's like, I don't want to put him in there. No, you take him out. He now Fridge was good. Mike Hartenstein was their defensive end. I don't know if you remember that. So it was uh, Mike Hartenstein was defensive end. Richard Ant was a defensive end, and Hampton and McMichael were the defensive tackles. Yeah. But then they moved Fridge and the defensive tackle and moved Hampton out to defensive end, and they switched. Oh, see, that, I didn't know that. Was, and they did that because Dicka and which I get that. You know, some I don't people say Dicka ruined Dent too later in his career. Dent, this, so? is, this was here's what happened. I've heard this story uh, passed along from a few people, and I believe it because I kind of looked it up too. Dent had really bad teeth, mm-hmm. really bad teeth, and he it would hurt. He wouldn't eat a lot. He was a strong guy, but he didn't eat a lot because it hurt too much. He would avoid sugary foods and stuff. And Dicka said to him, this is a few years after the Bears already won in 85, so maybe like 88 or something. 
said to him, look, you, you make a lot of money now. Why don't you get your teeth fixed? So he went and got his teeth fixed up, started eating all sorts of sweets and stuff, slowed him down, wasn't nearly as quick around the end. Really? I, I couldn't. <laughs> when I heard this, I'm like, this sounds I, like crap. I've never heard such you, a thing. Oh, look Wait, it up, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you look have that to Google up. that. That's good if stuff. not, I've got some uncles who tell some bullshit stories. <laughs> but no, I, I believe it. Yeah, we're all we're all like, uh, we're all fuck dick up. Man. I just really no, yeah, he, I, that that always irked me because he's, it was, he's overrated. He tried to make it about him instead of about his players, yeah, which I can't they, respect. And that's another thing they say, like it's like a high school coach. Dick came in and said to them, you know, stop doing all these endorsements, guys. And meanwhile, he was doing more endorsements than all of them. Yeah, he was. I mean, the company, yeah. dude, he was, dude, he was, I know, not, right? He just he he took over a team that had an abundance of talent, and he gave them a focus, and then he took the focus away and put it on himself. That's what happened to the Bears team. It didn't hurt that make paper, uh, Jim McMahon was made out of paper mache. Yeah, that hurt. That didn't that help. Hurt. But th- even still, they say, why didn't you win another one? Because he goes, Dicker wanted to put Flutie in there. Flutie had signed four games left into the regular season, and he signed, brings them in within four games left of the regular season and sticks it in there. He couldn't audible. He couldn't do anything. They had Steve Fuller. They had Tom Zach. They went 14-2 and two that year. As yeah, great as that were fifteen and one, they were fourteen, they were 14 and two, and two, which two is amazing. That year. But he put Doug Flutie in there and insisted that Doug Flutie started because that was Dicka's ego, and he wanted to do it his way instead of just going, "Hey, I got to do Steve Fuller. That's been pretty good for me for the last three years, yeah. filling in for McMahon. The team trusts him, the team rallying around him, and they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They're they're literally calling Doug Flutie a midget on a thirty for thirty. <laughs> They're going, he put that little midget back there, and he couldn't see over the line. He couldn't audible. And, and they said that midget in a way where you're like, whoa, <laughs> you're right, whoa, man. you could feel right. the hate it's in hate, that. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? They were, yeah, so he goes, that's why. And then free agency hit. They lost Willie Goff. They lost Wilbur Marshall. Peyton got old. Yeah. McMahon was beat up. And that's how the cookie the crumbled. And there we are. It was just... It's I sad. really want the Bears to win another Super Bowl because I'm a Bears fan, but I also want to them to see see them win a Super Bowl so we could stop talking about this 85 team. Thank it's yes. kind of just the most annoying thing that 85 Bears, 85 Bears, and Dicka and uh, the Bears and Polish sausage and all that right, old right, like right, right. stereotypical Bears, Chicago right. crap. Where I've met right. three people who talk with that accent, they live in Berwyn, not even in the city, <laughs> right? And it's just. I, I'm really over it. And it's amazing. I'll show you what what kind of crazy sports town this is. And it really is a football town, too. As much as we love our baseball and, and, and basketball. And, and hockey now. And hockey's right? huge, yeah. too. I love that it's a big sports town. But we need to we get need over it. Stop I, blowing listen, these old legends. Take the, take the Bears over uh, seven and a half wins this year. Yeah? Yeah. All right, that's the KB pick for you. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, you got to listen to me. I I figured out why 89 is a blur to you. Yeah, man, you're my therapist. <laughs> I think I need to check in with you weekly. Good God. All right, well, that's been the podcast. Uh, K- Kevin Bozeman, KB, thank you so much for uh, – I call Chris Bryant KB now too, man. I don't know if you know that. Uh, does so he you have guys, his own hat? I, he does. He says it's got a C on it, but, yeah, he does not. Uh, where could they find you? Uh, okay, twitter.com, Kevin Bozeman, and check out my, my fan page, the Ball Hog Podcast. I allow, like, people can put questions on it on my page, and then I answer. Yeah, the get questions. interactive. It's called the, uh, the Give and Go. And then, I, dude, I'm on Snapchat now. I dig it. Are you digging Snapchat? See, I got to have some friends on it, and I got to try to get better it at it. I snap to, once it in a while. It allows you to be a little bit creepy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> 
All right, so follow Kevin on Snapchat. Maybe you could flash some nip. What Instagram, are you doing on just, just, I could just post some shit real quick, and, and I know it it's away. gone. It's gone, baby. You better. I heard the new thing with Snapchat where people are like almost doing like their own little five-second porns back and forth to each other. Oh, see, that's I said a little creepy. Yeah, that's the whole next level type creepy. of thing. I'm, I'm too lazy to do shit like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a whole effort. You got to make sure the lighting's right, too. You <laughs> yeah, can't just right. send it out there. <laughs> right, the, for sure. You, you got to be proper about it. Thanks, so yeah, thanks uh, for having me, man. Oh, dude, thanks for doing it, man. I'm so glad I was Let's back Let's not in make town. it so long next time. Between right? each other? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we, do, this, this is great. This was great, man. It was a lot of fun. If you come to L.A., we'll do it there, and then I'll be back in September. We can do this every three months. If you know sports, I'm in it to win. You clearly know your shit. Dude, you know your shit, too, man. You had me on my heels being like, I can't screw up in front of him. This is bad. You know, because there's some people I could get a year or two wrong. It's not a big deal with you. I was worried. All right. I'm Joe Kilgallen. That's Kevin Bozeman. Thank you for listening to Comedians Talking Sports. Again, go on iTunes. Give us that five-star review. It goes a long way. Again, we really appreciate you listening. Comedians Talking Baseball will be out next week as well. We'll do a separate podcast with Mike Bridenstine. Nice. And, um, and we talked a lot of baseball today, too. We did, yeah. I, I could talk baseball all I day know. with everyone. But, mm-hmm. like, during football season, I'll probably do one Comedians Talking Football, which is football, and then I'll right. talk about the other sports on another one. So I do two podcasts a week. It's probably overkill. Some of you might be getting sick of me. I hope not. I love you. Thanks for listening to Comedians Talking Sports.